Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Guten Tag. Salutations. I don't know. I can't think of any other ways to say it. And hello and welcome to VFTR 2.0. I am Chad coming to you from my living room, but still technically part of the cave. It's just the upstairs portion of the cave. So we'll call this the roof. And I am, of course, joined by the co-host with the mostest, my good buddy. We call him Big Baby Daddy Diesel. Yes, and I'm joining you where I'm always joining you, and that's Diesel's Dapper Dungeon of Delight, and I got it right this week, and I wish I could say it was super dapper in the dungeon, but yeah, work stuff. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, I'm in my living room, and it's my living room is much more boring than the cave because I don't have anything on the walls. I don't have like a hundred Funko Pops behind me or anything like that. It's very odd looking at my own camera and not seeing like all my accoutrement, if you will. Still got to put my stuff up. I have it all like around my basement, but like I haven't hung up anything on the walls yet. And I've been here for over a year, and I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I got it all out. It just needs to be nailed and hung up. Yeah, one of these weeks, it's going to be very surprising. I'm just going to be like, holy fuck, it's a brand new dungeon of dapperness. Yep. Um, I don't know when that will be, though. <laughs> yeah, it'll happen eventually. You know, being, you know, parents now, like your time is much more, I guess, not your own. I'll probably do it like a couple months before we move or something like that. Right before, just to get it looking really nice for those showings. Right, Exactly. All right, well, let's not beat around the bush anymore, and let's just jump right into that first segment. All right, that means it's time for the news! I just really like saying that. I'm glad I get to still. All right, Diesel, kick us off with your first news story. Well, I guess the first news story is Jeff Hardy. Um, If you've been living under a rock, you would not have heard that Jeff Hardy was arrested again for OWI, which it's a very sad story that this is the third time it's happened in 10 years. And like I feel bad for Jeff Hardy because I know that it it's an addiction that he has been struggling with for a really long time, but at the same time, call an Uber, man. Like seriously, like hire a driver. You make so much money. Like do something different. Just don't get behind the wheel. And like I know that it's hard, but like you're going to kill somebody one of these times and you're lucky that you haven't. The report said that multiple people called 911 on him because he was driving so erratically. It's it's like, man, like I, I really hope that he gets his help that he needs and hopefully this time it sticks. 
But I mean, it's it's getting hard to root for Jeff Hardy because like you want to like and you have all the nostalgia from when we were kids and stuff like that. But it's just like the Jeff Hardy now is not the Jeff Hardy from 20 years ago. And unfortunately, the Jeff Hardy from 20 years ago is the result of who Jeff Hardy is now. And that makes me sad because we we as fans enabled him by like wanting to see him do all these risky swanton bombs off, off of 20 foot ladders and all this stuff. And so we're kind of the problem and that sucks. It, it's a whole shitty situation. It really is. And addiction's a sickness. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, you know, if you have problems and you're working through them, good for you. This is all about the fact that Jeff Hardy just won't accept help. And the fact he just keeps doing this over and over. And it really, I mean, the WWE kind of looks good in a light here because they literally were like, listen, dude, we want to pay you. We want you here, but you have to go to rehab. Like, we're not, we'll pay for it. We're not even being dicks about it. Like, we want to pay your contract. We want you here wrestling for us. You just have to go to rehab. And we'll pay for it. And what did he do? He went, nah, I'm fine. And then what happens? This, again, and again, and again. And, you know, this is like kind of, I guess, rationalizing it sometimes. But for some people... They don't have the money to call an Uber or a taxi service or things of that nature. I am never saying get behind the wheel after you've been drinking. Stop. Their bars literally have free taxis for you to take. But whatever. If you're trying to use that excuse, Jeff Hardy doesn't have that leg to stand on. The dude is a millionaire. The dude has made so much money over the course of his career and will continue to if he just got some fucking help. Like, I just... I know it's hard, like it's addiction and you don't want to admit that you need help or you want to change or need to change or something of that nature. But how many times can you get slapped in the face by the world before you realize that I do have to fucking change? Like I just, it is like, it's next to impossible for me to root for Jeff Hardy at this moment. Like I want him to get help, but like, come on, man. Like you are not only endangering yourself, you're endangering all these other lives. Like you're a role model to fucking kids. Like, don't get me wrong. As a kid, probably shouldn't have been seeing him jump off ladders and shit like that. I definitely got a few extra broken bones from doing stupid stuff, jumping off of trampolines and things of that nature because of Jeff Hardy. So, you know, influences work. And so stop being a jackass, Jeff. Get some help and get into rehab. Yes, so... I usually don't agree with Booker T lately um, with some of the things that are some of his opinions, but he did bring up that AEW can kind of be like not to blame, but they kind of helped him with his issues. Like basically what he was saying is with putting him in matches like he had against Darby Allen and doing all this like high risk stuff, like it takes a toll on his body and he's younger. I mean, he's older now than he was back in the day. And the older you get the like more it hurts and the more like, I mean, like from my experience and stuff like that, like the older you get, the worse it is when you like do like when I just like trip, like, yeah. But anyways, it, 
I don't agree with Booker T that much, but like he kind of does make a good point with AEW was kind of pushing him into doing this kind of stuff. And how was he going to like deal with this pain besides going back to old habits? And then with even with uh, only being like a couple weeks removed from that Darby Allen match. Now this week he was supposed to be in the main event of dynamite in a ladder match. It's, it's like, didn't they learn from what happened to Matt Hardy when he fell off that ladder and cracked his head open and could have died? Like, I don't know. And the, the craziest part about it, the hindsight being 2020, this Road Rager is probably a horrible show to have Jeff Hardy main event when, like, he's already had two OWIs. Now this week, the week of the show, here comes number three. It just, I mean, that's irony, but at the same time, like... Someone probably should have thought ahead about that. I, I did, didn't. I didn't even think about that until you just said it. But now that you just said it, it's all I can think about. Because yeah, what a terrible, terrible name for this, especially having planned to have Jeff Hardy headline it. And I do. AEW is definitely culpable in this whole situation. Not only just for putting him in these matches, but the fact that WWE were literally like. Listen, dude, once again, we're going to pay you. Just go to rehab. And he said no to that. And then AEW just went like, oh, yeah, come over here. We'll pay you a bunch of money. We'll let you wrestle in front of the people still. You get to do your old stuff with your brother and everything like that. Like, AEW should have been like, hey, man, um, I know WWE can be a bunch of fuckheads, and we don't agree with a lot of their practices or anything like that. But it seems like you might have a problem, and maybe you should get some help. Like, can you like maybe see someone before we like start throwing you in front of the fans again? See, and like that's the thing too, is they knew something was going on. Like they wouldn't have like suggested that he go to rehab if they didn't know. They they wouldn't have done it if they didn't know. And then us as fans. We waited for that like drug test result, and he came came back negative. So we're like, "Well, fuck WWE." He just he wanted out of his contract, so he just did that, and they gave him what he wanted, basically. But like now, you look at like what's happened. They knew he was probably drinking. He was with WWE. He was probably, I mean, obviously he wasn't doing any drugs at the point at that point because. Passed the drug test. I mean, there's ways around that, but I'd like to think that he was honest about it. Hopefully, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it sucks because it's almost like guy too that doesn't know when to hang it up either. Yeah, he can still wrestle, but like, and I mean, also it could be bad if he stopped because then who knows what he'd be doing. But I don't know. It's Jeff Hardy needs some help and I hope that he gets the help that he needs. And I hope that this doesn't design or end disastrous. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of scary to think about like in knowing Jeff Hardy, the way we know him with him being like a daredevil and all this kind of stuff, I could see, I could see this ending tragically. And I just, I don't want to see that. Yeah. It's just, it's really sad. It's honestly sad to see Jeff Hardy just, 
you know, destroy himself. And clearly we don't know Jeff Hardy personally or anything like that, but Jeff Hardy is a part of like my life. Like uh, Jeff Hardy was, I mean, literally the night that he wrestled Undertaker in that ladder match on Raw and Undertaker's like, I'm gonna make you famous boy. And at the end he shook his hand. That moment and that match live rent free in my head. I probably haven't watched that match in at least a decade. And I still bet you that I could get at least 70% of the match in order correctly for exactly how it played out spot by spot right now, if I needed to, to save my life, because that is one of the greatest moments ever. He made you believe he was going to win that match. Like he was so good. Like that's when you knew that Jeff Hardy was going to be, a champion one day like he had what it took to be a top guy like in that moment that was like i think everybody saw it. vince mcmahon saw it like he made you believe when he was like reaching for that title i thought he was gonna win. reach for your dreams be- kid reach for I your thought, dreams i thought jeff hardy was gonna beat the undertaker in like 2002 like yeah i believed and like greatest yeah. jr call of all time and i'll fight just, anyone about it i'll fight you. it is it really is because like jr believed like he was in the moment like i know like they don't necessarily know the results and i'm sure like he figured undertaker would win because that's how wrestling works but like i think in that moment he was rooting for jeff hardy and he genuinely thought that maybe they were gonna they're gonna do this and like surprise everybody, but yeah. But and then think about getting on the mic at the end. Ago. You didn't kill me years ago, and now look where we're at. Yeah. Ah, God. And that's why it's so sad. So please, Jeff Hardy, from all of us fans out here in the whole wrestling universe, just get some fucking help, man. Just, just let them help you, and you know, just get better. That's all we want. We don't want anything else. Just get better, bro. Maybe stop hanging around Rebby Hardy. I know she's your sister-in-law, but she's a piece of shit. (laughs) Well, before we just descend fully into trash-talking the rest of the Hardy family, let's move on to new story number two. You like her dad, though, Senor Benjamin. (laughs) We're moving on. New story number two. Nothing to do with wrestling, but everything to do with sucking, because I want to talk about Morbius. Have you seen all this fun stuff about Morbius Diesel? No, I haven't. Okay, so Morbius, which I stated on this podcast, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And I don't I'm not just saying superhero movies, I'm saying one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I haven't seen the movie and I haven't really heard like anybody talking about it. I'm usually pretty good at when it comes to like the Marvel stuff. I'm scrolling through my feed, I usually go, oh no, no. Don't I'm not reading that. I haven't seen this yet. You don't need to see Morbius. Literally, honestly, and the worst part about Morbius is, I guess a little, I don't have the sidebar bell with me. So sidebar, ding, because it's down in my cave. Uh, But I'm not going to get it. So sidebar, Morbius, one of the worst things about it is Morbius came out on the tail right after Spider-Man No Way Home. So Sony itself had built up all of this goodwill from all of us Marvel fans. Like, we were so, like, yes! Sony is finally going to do some cool shit with their Sony-verse. Like, this partnership is going to be great. Tom Holland is going to cross over. Huh? The Venom movies delivered. The Venom movies have delivered. 
Like we were jacked for Morbius. And then like they even delayed it for some reshoots. So we all thought, oh fuck, these reshoots, like they're adding more stuff so that the Marvel universe, like it connects even more. Maybe we're going to get a Tom Holland cameo. Maybe we're going to get a Venom cameo. Who knows what we're going to get? Like Sony could do anything right now. They are riding high. And then they release this bag of shit movie. And Diesel, I'm going to ruin it for you right now. Because the ending of the movie, and I called it in the theater. So I went to the opening night premiere. A Thursday night premiere. I have seen every Marvel movie come out at the Sun Prairie Palace Cinemas since Age of Ultron, right? I went with my brother and my buddy Eric. Except Black Widow. Except Black Widow because of, yeah, the pandemic. Sorry. I did see it in theaters, though. (laughs) I did see it in theaters, though. But not opening night. Not opening night. So... I go see this movie on opening night, an eight o'clock showing. Every time, that's usually this time we go see a movie. Theaters are always packed, right? Opening night, guess how many people are in there? Uh, 30. Eight. There was eight people in the fucking theater, and three of them were me, my brother, and Eric. Jeez. Okay, so at the end of the movie... Jared Leto, as Morbius, has his new vampire powers and everything, and has a real connection to bats. And while we're watching this movie, you've seen Dragon Ball Z. There's this moment where, like, the bats were, like, swirling over his head, and it kind of looked like the spirit bomb for a second. And so I jokingly said to Eric and Zach, I was like, oh, is he going to Kamehameha those bats to, like, kill Michael Smith's character? And we all laughed for a moment. And then about five seconds later... Shit you not, Diesel, even with the Goku pose. Literally, like, bent his knees, put his hands back by his side, and charged the bats into a ball, basically, before Kamehameha waving bats at the big bad guy to finish him off. And as this happens, I couldn't hold it back. I literally screamed out, Oh my fucking God, he's Kamehameha waving the bats. And everyone in the theater laughed. I mean, there was eight people. But we all laughed together and was the best part of the entire fucking film. All I can think about is the time we went to Olive Garden and our friend Steve Kamea made that menu into JR. <laughs> also, <Just randomly>. <laughs> also a great thing. But so back to the news story. So the movie absolutely terrible, right? tanked, bombed in the uh, opening weekend, just right in and out of theaters. So, but then the internet got on it and started memeing the shit out of Morbius and basically talking Sony into re-releasing Morbius. So they re-released Morbius into more than a thousand theaters. And guess how much money it averaged per theater on its opening re-release weekend? I'm guessing not good. $289. What was the budget? Wait, wait, don't, like, not $1,000, just $289? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's no zeros after that. $200. Jesus Christ. What was the budget? Uh, The budget for Morbius, oh, man, let's see. Well, I I can tell you that it's only made altogether $163.8 million worldwide, which I guarantee its budget is way over that. (laughs) <laughs> but so the you know internet talks Sony into re-releasing this movie and it bombed again 
And now to get to the actual news story that I want to talk about, not just trashing Morbius. I did just want to trash Morbius as well. But the actual funniest part and the reason I wanted to talk about it tonight is because the internet has once again started a new campaign to get Sony to re-release Morbius one more time. And you know what the phrase is they're using? What's that? We're sorry. We were all busy that weekend. Re-release Morbius again. So and by, I hope it happens. idiot of a company is going to fall for this, like, trick me once, shame, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like, they do this again. <laughs> oh, this is like some, like, Wiley e. Coyote Roadrunner shit where, like... Sony has to know this is going to fail, but I'm pretty sure they might do it because the groundswell on the internet is amazing. And the memes, like everyone's morbid out over it. And I, I think it's absolutely one of the funniest things ever. Literally one of the worst movies of all time might go so, down like as a cult classic for that fact of how bad it is. So it had a $75 million budget, which is low for a Marvel movie. So, hmm. I mean, that probably... Is part of the results and why it sucked. Um, I see no, here, so it was $289 per screen, is what you said, right? Yeah, so they made $300,000 like overall, but that's that's not a lot of money for that's a movie nothing with a $75 million budget. You know, it's a re release, but like, yeah. oh no, independent movies make more than that on their like opening weekends or even in re releases because lots of times independent movies. Or ended up re-released. Uh, Sorry, yeah, I just really that, wanted to that, trash that's, Morbius. No, no, that's that's very interesting, especially with it being a Marvel property, even though it's Sony, with like Marvel and like just superhero movies being so popular right now that for one, it didn't do well in an initial release and they took it out of theaters early. Number two, they were talked into a re-release. Which that doesn't seem like that should happen with any Marvel movie. <laughs> no, no. The re-release should just be called for. You shouldn't have to need to get talked into a re-release. Oh, and mm. final point about all those reshoots and everything like that. The reshoots amounted to nothing as far as anyone could tell. And what they actually did is the trailers had all these cool like scenes that seemed to link like the Venom movies into it. Uh, it seemed to link uh, like this amazing Spider-Man universe and all these other things. What they did is they cut all of those scenes out. And the only connection at all was a post credit stinger of seeing uh, Michael Keaton's uh, Vulture character get transported to that universe. And then after that, they had a scene where he was apparently talking, air quotes, talking to Morbius because it was the worst CGI ever and didn't look anything like fucking Michael Keaton even in the Vulture co costume. It literally looked like they got someone else to CGI the Vulture. It, trash. Just fucking trash. So bad. So bad. I came home to Allison and like walked in and I, she goes, how was the movie? I go, worst movie I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about something happier. Okay, let's do it. The got, first two news stories have kind of brought me down. You're right. One more news story, and that is on Sunday at Dominion, New Japan released who is going to be competing in the 32nd G1 tournament. 
D1 Climax. Sorry, not tournament. It's a climax. Anyways, I have the list right in front of me, and we'll go through it. And feel free to comment on anyone if you want to, or just we can just go right through it. So we got Kazuchika Okada. I said that wrong anyways. I don't know why I even... Kazuchika Okada. I know. I When you're, like, reading it... <laughs> There's a lot of letters in spelled. it. <laughs> There's... You want to say it how it's, like, like it's spelled. Whatever. Yeah. Tamatanga. Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tom Lawler, which I was very surprised to see his name in the list. And he's probably the most surprising one out of all of them. But I'm excited. I like Tom Lawler. Oh, yeah. I like Tom Lawler. Uh, but yeah, most surprising of the entire list. Uh, also, super jacked to see Tamatanga once again in the G1. And uh, this year as the now good bad guy role. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Tama does this year. Hopefully he gets some more wins. Yeah, Last year he kind of sucked. His new role, but uh, also Jonah, which was also another surprise, which I'm all in for. Like I like that guy. Uh, what was the name of WWE? I forget already. Uh, uh, Bronson I, Reed. Yeah, Bronson Reed. But oh, I yeah. wasn't as surprised about that. He's been on uh, New Japan Strong a whole bunch of times. So, why well, that is true, but still, um, it was a nice surprise for me. I like Bronson Reed. I. I I haven't really watched him much as Jonah and Impact or New Japan Strong, but like this guy can go and for a big man, he's pretty athletic, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, Yoshihashi, yeah, boom, um, great forever. Like uh, Yoshihashi, get the fuck out of here. And I know Brett, if you're listening to this, you, you know, you say Yoshihashi's gotten better. No, he fucking hasn't, he's the same fucking guy. I just, I'm just meh on Yoshihashi. He yeah. has a weird face. That's, that's all I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hiroki Goto. No, Goto. I don't know why I said Goto. It's because it's spelled G-O-T-O and my brain is just fried right now. So, anyways, uh, we got Chad's favorite wrestler of all time and Toriano, which uh, I am a fan of Yano. And Chad likes to say that he's not a fan of Yano, but deep down, he likes Yano. I own a Yano t-shirt. I didn't actually buy it though. It was a mystery grab bag T-shirt. So deep down, you do like Yano. I I like Yano when he's evil Yano because he's actually a really good fucking wrestler. I just I hate his shtick, and I usually like comedy, but it's just the same thing every time. I love. I'm I'm with uh, JCB. I'm a Yano fan. Uh, we also have Tamo Hiroishi, which. Always badass to have in the G1 because Stone Pitbull is just awesome. He's the fucking Stone Pitbull. I mean, you literally can't go wrong with a Stone Pitbull. Earlier this year, this was my pick to win the G1, but uh my backtrack on that. But uh, I got Jeff Cobb. I'm sure uh, that's Tom's pick for sure. Obviously. Uh, then we got Jeff Cobb's tag team partner, Great O'Conn, which that's going to be fun. Uh, we got Will Ospreay, which... Yeah. Another, like, I'm jacked. Sidebar, ding. Ding. Jack for his match uh, on Dynamite tonight against, um, God damn it, Brains Fried. FTR's. Cash Wheeler. Or is it Dax? Dax Harwood. Yeah, Dax Harwood. Dax Harwood tonight. Um, and they're doing a really good job with Dax Harwood. If like they wanted to break up FTR and have him go on a singles run, like I mean, I don't suggest that they break up FTR, but like 
he would be great as a single mid-card champion or like what if he's the first like all Atlantic champion which is another thing that they don't need any more titles I can't believe they brought another title in but whatever that's that's a story for another time (laughs) yeah can't get Thunder Rosa on the television show but you definitely need another title belt we got uh Aaron Hanare how do you say his name Hanare Hanare there you go yeah there you go uh, Shingo Takagi. I thought it was wild. Oh, sorry, before we go, keep going. I thought like this year because they expanded the tournament. It's crazy. Like there, you have like full factions in there because that's like the entire United uh, Empire right there. And then you've basically we're about to go into all of Lij. Yeah, and I, I also like the fact that like that's how they announced it too was by faction. Yeah. Like even though I don't speak Japanese, I could tell that's what they were doing. Anyways, uh, then we also have Sonata, uh, which he's always badass in the G1, but he always loses, except for that yeah. one year where he had, like, a good run but didn't do anything for him. Then we got Tetsuya Naito. I like saying their names, even if I'm, like, not very good at it, but I can hear it in my brain, and then when it comes out of my mouth, it's like, that's not right. That They're one fun names. Right. I got that one right. You did. Uh, you Jay White, it. hardest name on the list. Uh, then we got Evil Kenta, which is awesome. Returning Kenta. Kenta. I mean, Jack. Right. He's been out right. for a bit. Should be healed up. Hopefully he's back to his old Kenta self again. This one is probably the biggest jobber on the entire tournament. And that's Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo Pimp. I love me some Tokyo Pimp. Honestly, dude, the dude just gets it, and he loses all the pins. time. He's yeah. just there to take some pins, dude. Yeah, but he's going to beat someone. Exactly like Bushi. For dude, he's going to beat someone, though. Well, yeah, I mean, he's going to have, like, a surprise, like, something. Yeah. But, I mean, that he's, this, he's the Bushi of Bullet Club. Like, uh, and he has Cookie. Take pins. Hello. All that. Okay, he, no, he's definitely better than Bushi. I don't like Bushi. Yeah. But, like, but Bushi's only there to take pins, like, uh, spoiler alert, and one of the things we're going to be talking about later. But yeah. uh, and where do we have? Oh, yeah, Bad Luck Fale, which is awesome. I like Bad Luck Fale. Chase Owens. Juice See, I, I, I love that you like to say that one so much. It's it's one of the best ones with the Japanese announcer, him saying, Ju- I don't know why he goes so hard on Juice Robinson's name every Brett, time. Brett's way better at it than I am. Uh, it was just my poor attempt at trying it. But uh, I can't do anything that Justin Roberts says, but I can do the Japanese-English announcing. <laughs> you know, everyone's got their um, skills, Diesel. Will Juice Robinson actually be in attendance for this one? Who knows? I'm assuming uh, yeah. yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I won't, I don't know the exact story, like what really happened, but I thought that the uh, like work story was kind of lame, to be honest. But anyway, yeah. uh, unless we'll that, that was the real story, then I got totally work. Uh, then we got Tai Chi, which is yeah, he's he's the Japanese Miss. I uh I won't lie, Tai Chi is one of my like most improved and the guy who's gotten most over with me. Like I really like I dig him now. I used to hate him, but I dig him. He's the Japanese Miz. Yeah, he really is. He really is. Yeah, but I mean, I just I don't like his entrance. I just it's too it's long too for me. 
Yeah. It, it's too fucking long, but that's like I think the point. It's it's supposed to be like grading, but then it eventually like comes back around, and yeah, it's now to the point where I dig it. I'm like, oh, all right. And the fact that Kevin Kelly, like, they're so behind him now. I don't know. I dig it. We'll talk about it later. And uh, we have this year's New Japan Cup winner, Zach Saber Jr., which means he's not going to win the G1. I Sorry. know. I, mean, I really he, fucking two time. He's a two time New Japan Cup winner, though. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I fucking love ZSJ. He's one of my just absolute favorite wrestlers that not enough people talk about all the I mean, time. I mean, you're going to get to see him against Brian Danielson at I Forbidden Door. Can't so fucking I mean, wait. I know. I mean, I'm pretty jacked to like just watch the match on TV. I wish I was going to be there live, but I'll still probably feel spoiled that like I get to like watch the card at least. But anyways, then we have another one who isn't really a surprise, but it kind of is a surprise. And it's a nice welcome back to Lance Archer which he's the only AEW person in the whole G1, which I was kind of surprised that you couldn't get like two or three in there, you know? Yeah. I don't know who, I, like, I really wanted Brian Danielson to be in this tournament. We talked before we started recording that if he was in it, he would have to make the finals at least. Like you couldn't put him in there and not have him make the finals. So I mean, kind of, but he wants to wrestle in Japan too. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It, um, it, and then it, we have, Okay. It felt weird that uh, Lance Archer was the only AEW star. Like I expected at least maybe some like Ring of Honor stars as well. Like I really thought Jay Lethal was going to be in this G one. Like I don't know why, but like deep down in my bones, I just really thought that this would finally be the year that Jay Lethal would get to wrestle in a G one. And they it's he just, just isn't there. It's too bad they couldn't get like someone like Samoa Joe. I mean, I don't know if Samoa Joe could like do this tournament anymore. I don't think but, so. But I mean, man, a few years ago, man, if they would have got Samoa Joe for this tournament, that would have been badass. Yeah. But yeah, then we have only two more. We have David Finley, which I, I like David Finley. And yeah. He's there to um, take some pins then, this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he always does. I mean, it's what he's there for. But uh, and then lastly, it was like they saved this guy for last because it was kind of a surprise because, and they didn't mention it earlier in Dominion, but. Uh, he was in the best of the super juniors and now he's in the G1 as well. And that's El Fantasmo, which I'm pretty jacked about because I like El Fantasmo. Uh, I definitely love ELP and his whole just his whole shtick. He's he's a wonderful, like he's a great wrestler, and then also he does my favorite one of my favorite things, which is has a running commentary during his matches. And I just that like always just gets me more over with the guy. He, him, he put me. two wrestlers together um, to make up ELP, I would say, um, oh, damn it, what the fuck's his name? The big dog from Ring of Honor, um, oh, Red Titus. Uh, Red Titus, there you go. Red Titus and X-Pac. You put those guys together, you get L-E-P, ELP. Yeah, I can see that. That's a pretty good uh, little mashup of wrestlers to... Get a name in there. So, I mean, that's the G1 Climax 32 competitors. And, like, I'm pretty jacked. I mean, the card, I was hoping for more surprises. So, more people from maybe Impact or AEW or just some people that aren't typically on New Japan shows just so we could get some fresh matchups, especially, like, how Forbidden Door is happening and yeah, but it's still going to be a badass. Like these people that are on this in this tournament are going to be awesome. And plus, with the new format, with them having the semifinals, 
Yeah, this is going to be a fun tournament. I can't wait. It starts July 16th, and can't get here soon enough, if you ask me. Runs all the way till August. August 18th. It's a full yeah. month. And full month of tournament. I, I am super psyched. Yeah, I uh, I am. There's, you know, and it's because we're just spoiled. And it's really probably because Forbidden Door is happening that I just felt like this was going to be the, like, craziest G1 in, like, years and don't get me wrong yeah this is gonna be great like the matches we're gonna have the people who are in it all fantastic wrestlers and i'm sure there's going to be so many surprises and with the new format it's gonna be awesome but man i just yeah i expected like a, a jay lethal in there i expected maybe a couple impact stars or like and especially with AEW having such a massive roster like you could have like given some guys for a whole month to njpw for this tournament besides lance archer like, why only one guy? Like, you have so many competitors on your roster and so many people there who aren't doing anything. Why not, like, Brian Cage? Like, he's not doing anything yeah. at all. Or, yeah, like, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs or Wardlow. any of those. Wardlow. I mean, I don't know if they want to give up their top baby face right now, but. True, but, I mean, oh, my God. Think about him versus the Stone Pitbull. No, I would love to see Wardlow powerbomb some shit out of some people over in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It would be awesome. But yeah, I'm super excited about the G1. Definitely going to make sure that I don't fall behind because I am not fucking around this year. And if you fall behind with it being four blocks of seven, 28 competitors, a month long of matches, you start falling behind, you're not catching back up. It gets overwhelming. Very quickly. Like my editing pile for Dungeons and Junkies. I'm sure it will be covered heavily on this podcast, so it will like force us to keep up. 100%. All right. Well, those were our three news stories, so that's the news. All right, it is time for hashtag TRT. And this week, to follow in the theme of talking about G1 in the news, we're reviewing New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion 2022. Because guess what? Diesel and I both actually watched it, and we both gave star ratings for all the matches. And I'm pretty excited to do this. We haven't talked New Japan. like I, I mean, we did a little bit last week, but we haven't fully talked New Japan in a long, long time on this show. Yeah, I, like been getting back into it in the last couple weeks and it's like i don't know why i stopped watching it because right now i'm like hooked and like i can't get enough brett the brain buster boy brett gave me a list of 40 matches from last year and this year to watch haven't like started it yet but uh second i have time i'm gonna start it maybe later today or tomorrow but uh yeah i'm pretty jacked like you watched this show after the fact, so did you know the stuff, like the finishes and stuff like that? The only match that I knew the finish to, because I did, I watched it on Monday while I was at work and went into, I finished it on Tuesday or yesterday from time of recording. So I, the only match I actually had ruined for me is the main event of uh, Jay White beating Okada. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. I mean, the show is days ago, so I'm sorry. I know. I'm just some joke. Um, yeah, I, I knew that one, and I also saw um, Tanahashi winning, but that one 
wasn't a surprise because he basically technically already challenged CM Punk. So he knew this match was just uh, it was a filler match. Yeah, yeah, basically. But I mean, the main event was definitely a surprise. Like everybody had Okada retaining in this match. So right. we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah, we'll get there for sure. Before we do start talking about the pay-per-view, though, I do want to say one quick thing and just a massive shout-out to how great New Japan World is. Like, that is the cleanest, best-working wrestling website or basically streaming service that is around. Like, you can go back so far. Everything works. Everything's labeled correctly. Like, it's yeah, just, you just type in it's, what match you want to watch, yeah. and you don't have to watch an entire show. You can watch that match. Yeah. Like, Yes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I like that they're branching out like into more like English and like Kevin Kelly is even doing more and more than he did in the past. And yeah, I agree. It's definitely the best app for watching pretty much anything, like you said. Yeah, I just, I, a big shout out to New Japan Pro Wrestling and also just a shout out to Brett for no reason. <laughs> Way better than Bleacher Report. Way, way better. All right, so how do you want to do this? Do you want to go through the card? Do you want me to go through the card? Probably should uh, discuss yeah. this. I don't know. You've uh, you've been kind of leading stuff for this kind of stuff lately. So, you know, why don't you go with the lead on the card? Okay. Well, the opening match was a six-man tag, like usual in New Japan. And it was the uh, United Empire. What do they call again? United Empire, that's right. And it was TJP, Francisco Akira, and Aaron... Hanare. 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 I had to think about it for a second. Versus Taguchi, Master Wato, and Tenzin. And I thought this match was uh, pretty fun. TJP's uh, friend, Boxer, was out there, so there was some shenanigans going on. But, uh, I mean... I don't really care for like probably two thirds of the people in this match personally, but I am becoming a fan of Francisco Akira. I thought like he had like a breakout uh, best of the super juniors tournament. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a pretty fun match and the United empire won, And I thought that was probably the right call. Yeah. I don't know. This, this was a common affair for like a new Japan opener. It just, I really, yeah, I don't care really for team six or nine, Taguchi and Master Wato. Like, they just, I don't care. I'm sorry. They just don't trip my trigger. Tenzin's just always there. He's like a legend, and you got to respect Tenzin and everything like that. And then the other side, United Empire with TJP, who I don't like. I don't like TJP. I know he's a good wrestler, but I just don't fucking like him. Uh, I, Akira, this says I didn't watch the uh, best of Super Juniors this year. I hadn't seen much of, but he looked good in this match. And I actually have really become a fan of Hanare. So of all the people in this match, really the only one I was rooting for was Hanare. And Hanare got the win with the full Nelson submission, which I always dug. Like, I loved when Chris Masters did it back in the day and called it the Master Lock. And then later in the show, I think I caught him say it, that he's calling it Ultimo. I could be wrong on that. But I didn't catch that. Yeah, Kevin Kelly or Chris Charlton, one of them, they were talking about Hanare after he came back out. Uh, then he, I think they said Ultimo, which is a great name if it is. And if not, I'm just an asshole. But Well, I mean, they they talk a lot. Like, they give you the most, uh, like, information out of, like, any commentary team. And even when it's just Kevin Kelly by himself, like, 
he talks a lot and there's a lot going on. So sometimes you do miss things, but sometimes you catch like a diamond in a rough, like uh, for instance, like Akira in the um, best of the super juniors, he, cause his mentor is Will Ospreay. He's doing the cheeky Nando's kick. And he said, he told Kevin Kelly that if he does it again, don't call it that he has a different name for it. And it was called the Brute, Facio, and that's uh, he's, it's Italian because he's Italian, and it's Italian for ugly face. So I'm like, I like this guy, like, and I like that fact. I thought thought that was like a diamond in the rough fact from Kevin Kelly. Shout out to Band from Ringside for Diesel reusing that fact again. He really likes it, and I heard him say it before, and I'm glad he used it on our show. It's, I think it's a sweet name. Like you name a move, ugly <laughs> face. I think that's a good name. I, I dig but, it. I dig uh, it. What, what did you rank this match? I'm guessing you probably ranked it, gave it lower than me. I put this right in the middle out of five stars, two and a half stars, because it was just there. I gave it 3.25. I had fun with it. It was it was a good match, in my opinion. Yeah, this kind of, uh, you'll uh, see for my rankings that uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the first half of this show. back all right i'll just take that last line again and then we'll just keep going uh but you'll kind of see the first half of the show i didn't actually quite love i mean it's new japan though but we'll get to it so next match on the card diesel was los ignorables de hapon and I remember I used to have problems saying that, but I practiced it a lot, like Giannis and Tatakampu. Um, anyways, you have Hiromo Takahashi, you have Bushi and Naito versus Ishimori, Ace Austin, Bull Club's newest member, which I love that he's part of Bull Club because I am a big fan of Ace Austin. And another guy we talked about just a little while ago, El Fantasmo. And Oh, I thought this match was fun. I liked the beginning part with uh, the cane. I, I love the beginning hilarious. part with the cane. The, the shenanigans with the cane, like, like I, I it got and, me too. Like, and I like, I've always marked out for that spot. Anyways, like the couple times that we've actually seen Ace Austin wrestle in person, like I always mark out for that. I think it's such a simple thing, but it's awesome because it's it's his gimmick, and like he just he's great at it, and he's a perfect fit for bullet club and i'm glad he had an awesome best of the super juniors as well i mean this match was again only okay in my opinion um like there was a bunch of fun spots and stuff like that it's nice to see that naito's back and they have the like uh takahashi and ishimori stuff like boiling over because they have uh their match in a couple weeks for the light heavyweight championship but Overall, it it was just a six man tag, just to kind of like keep like the embers burning 
for like other um, rivalries they got going on. I gave it a 3.25 bullet club one. Yeah. I thought the, one of my, the favorite parts of this match were probably the opening of this match and before the bell basically even wrong when they were messing around with the cane. And then also I love, uh, um, why can't I think of his name right now? Jesus. Uh, Hiromu's like attire now that he won be- uh, Best of Super Juniors, that he's got the letters hugely Shorts. emblazoned on those like tights and he's carrying the trophy around and he's going to carry that trophy until he wins the championship in a couple weeks. I just, I love the ticking time bomb. He's so great in everything he does. And I love Naito and I love all three of the guys for Bullet Club on this team. And Phantasmo and Ishimori are just such a great tag team together. And then adding in Ace Austin, who, yeah, we've seen him a few times live. I don't watch Impact a ton, but like that dude is great. And he is, he is a perfect fit. That like black Ace of Spades bullet club that card that he has now just looks sick. And with the three of them came out together, like it looked like that just fit. Like it looked like that was like, oh, they've always been together. And the match itself, I had fun with it. The problem I have with this match is it was just another six-man, like, filler tag match. So I felt like just as it was really getting going, it just ended. Like, it was just, like, I thought, oh, man, it was, like, getting going. And then ELP hit the CR2 on uh, Bushi, of course, Bushi, there to take the pinfall and gets the win. And it just, like, ended. And so I only gave this one 2.75. Because, once again, it was just there, but it had a little more to it than the last match. See, I mean, I kind of felt like giving this one a three-star, but I felt like if I gave the first match a 3.25, and I really felt like the first one was 3.25, this one wasn't any worse than that match, in my opinion. So I had to I had to keep it at a 3.25. Like, it, it could have been better, but, I mean, it wasn't designed to be better, really. It was at the it's, – it's how the New Japan formula works. It was at the beginning of the card. It's – it wasn't bad. And so, I mean, that's that's all you can really hope for for the couple opening matches usually on a New Japan card. I will say, quick sidebar, ding. Uh, the I guess probably since the Lens last time I was like really into New Japan, you know, I was getting up every time for the pay-per-views live. It was at the point of New Japan at its like hottest period where like every single match on any pay-per-view was just an absolute banger. Like, they just had so many, like, coals and fires going everywhere that, like, everything just meant more. So I guess some of my lower ratings might be because I, you know, I'm just coming back to it, and I'm not used to this being, like, this. these opening matches felt like filler on, like, a G1 show and not even, like, a G1 main night instead of being a Dominion show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel you there. That... Yeah, I kind of feel that. But uh, moving on to the next match, it was I was kind of excited for this match a little bit because of like the comedy aspect of it. Because it was Toriano versus Doc Gallows, and both those guys are like Doc Gallows can do funny, and you know Yano can do funny. So I was kind of was kind of hoping for a better match. Uh, Yano got the win. It was was shorter than I thought it would be. And I only gave it two stars, but I, I wrote next to it. I still enjoyed it. It's just, it wasn't what I wanted out of this match. 1.5 stars. Just like there was, I, I love Doc Gallows. I really do. But there was some real bad kicks in this match. 
And Yano also looked off of his fucking game. Like, he was, like, missing his, like, stupid spots. And then the final, like, low-blow roll-up that he did, it wasn't even one of his good low-blow roll-ups. Yeah, it I just, know. It, 1.5 stars. Get the fuck I out of here. I did enjoy the, like, atomic, like, drop spot where he tried to do it to his nuts, but then yeah. Doc He was too, was too tall. tall. And, like... That was a good spot. I liked that spot. But that was the but that was only made a good spot by the fact that because the camera work was shoddy on it. The fact that Kevin Kelly yeah, that they didn't see it. Yeah, you couldn't even you oh, didn't even see it. One. Well, that was a different no. match. They didn't see a low blow. No, I don't know, but I it just the camera work on this match was also not good. So no, it was this match I mean, they the didn't see the show, low blow. They, there was a couple times where you didn't like get to see a spot because like yeah, yeah they they cut to a different camera right at the wrong time, but. And yeah, this match, man, this, this was the lowest rated match on my card. I don't know. Oh, you. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, then it's around the same page there. Uh, the next match was uh, another six man tag. This one was for the six man tag team championship. And it was Suzuki Goon, which uh, was kind of Maro S or ZSJ and El Desperado and they were facing off against Bullet Club's Evil Show and Takahashi also uh, House of whatever they're called House of Torture yeah uh, yeah this match in my opinion like one team has a lot of star power and the other team is just like ah. You know, and the team that's bad is the champions, and they retained. And I just this match, I was the most bored during this match, and I shouldn't have been. And I think it would have been better if the like Suki Goon would have won. And I don't know, I, I gave it two point five stars, and I wrote after it, meh. Yeah, this match was definitely the best part of this match. Once again, was the beginning of this match where uh, the Suzuki Goon turned around and stopped House of Torture from attacking him before the match. Like that was the best part of the whole match, and it was all fucking downhill from there, which is really unfortunate. Because once again, I love ZSJ. El Desperado is awesome. Like and especially after like all he did in the best of Super Juniors. Yeah, I didn't watch it, but I heard everyone talk about it, and he's always been great. So I love me some El Desperado, and I love Show and Evil. I should like more, but he's just the House of Torture kind of sucks. And I really, I guess, another sidebar. Ding. I really think that Yujiro should leave uh, House of Torture, go back to Bullet Club, so that he can tag team with Ace Austin, and they could both have canes. I mean, they're still technically bullet club technically but they're like a subsection it's like nwo yeah. wolf pack it feels like sometimes it is but they're technically in bullet club it's it's stupid i think it's stupid i agree with everything you just said right there like, uh, oh 2.25 stars sorry i didn't say that 2.5 uh, 2.25 2.25 oh, okay. Well, okay well i mean they're close close it's i do bad. love the shock arrow still bad. though this match shouldn't have been met with the people that were in it. But, yeah. Love the shot, uh, The next match was definitely not met, in my opinion, because it was for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. And it was uh, Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb versus uh, Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale. And 
I liked this match a lot. And like I when I was watching this, I was texting Chad and I told him that uh, if I were a wrestler, my style would definitely be a bad luck folly style. That'd be me if I were a wrestler. He doesn't do much but a bunch of power moves and sweats a lot. That's <laughs> that's me. <laughs> Comes out smoking that cigar. I love the rogue general, like the fact that he wears the beret out there and has yep. the gen- or the cigar, it's just such a great image every time when he comes out to the ring. I love Bad Luck Fale. He's just oh, he's one of the best, and he gives zero fucking fucks about anybody. He will say whatever he wants to anybody at any time, and he's awesome. I'm a huge fan of Bad Luck Fale, especially when it comes to G1 time because he gets himself disqualified all the time just because – he just does whatever he wants. He doesn't want to win that tournament. He don't care. No. He just likes to fuck things up and like help out the ball club. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that one of his moves is just called the grenade. Just <laughs> he just punches the people in the throat. I like this match. And I like the tag team of Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale because Chase Owens has to do like all the heavy lifting. But like Bad Luck Fale always sets them up. Like they work really well together. And obviously Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn is like one of the premier tag teams in the world right now. And this match was really good in my opinion. And we got new champions. And I think that, yeah, they had to win this match in my opinion. They're on paper, they're a better tag team. I almost gave this match four stars, but like, I'm just like, yeah, 3.75. Yeah, I went a, a little lower on it. I only went 3.25. But it's because I felt like there was it, there was just spots where this match could have been better. But once it got going, it got going really great. Like the ending, like sequences with all the tag team moves. And it really looked like Fale and Chase were going to like actually win it for a second there. And then you had the perfect spot of uh, friggin' uh, Great Ocon pushing uh Fale into the ropes and knocking Chase uh down onto the turnbuckle and you know hitting his nuts on the top of it which led to the finish and Chase Owens taking the tour of the islands is always fun to watch like Chase Owens if he can do one thing really well he can fucking sell like a mofo and also his version the C trigger is just one of the like stiffest knees in all of the business and I love seeing him do it it is so much like Kenny Omega's V-Trigger, and it brings a smile to my face every time. And Kevin Kelly going, see you later, after he hits really big ones, brings a smile to this man's face every time. I mean, Kevin Kelly's great. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't ever have a complaint about Kevin Kelly, ever. No. I just thought this match could have been a little bit better. That's why I only got 3.25. But it's still my highest rated match on the show so far. And then after the match, got to talk about the fact Rocky Romero, like an idiot, tried to do a run-in on the United Empire. And I love the fact that commentary even called him out on it. Like, what the hell are you doing, Rocky? (laughs) Earlier in the show, Kevin Kelly mentioned something about Rocky Romero. He's like, yeah, he's in New York right now. He's watching the show at home or something like that. And then it was all just to throw us off. That. Like, I would have never thought he would have come out and done that anyways. Like, what a fucking idiot. Yeah. At least yeah. bring Trent with you, man. Come on. <laughs> oh, and then afterwards, after he got his ass kicked, and he was like, he got on the mic for one second on Kevin Kelly's mic, and Kevin goes like, what are you doing? And he's just like, United Empire, I fucking hate you. I hate you. Like, Rocky, man, that was that was some great comedy shit right there. Got me, made a smile on that. I, I do miss uh, Rocky Romero on commentary with Kevin Kelly. That was a good team. Yeah. But 
I, I give five stars to the after run-in and watching Rocky just get decimated by Great Ocon and Jeff Cobb. It's so stupid. But yeah, it was yeah. great. It was great uh, comedy wrestling. Yeah. I loved it. I can't wait because it's going to set up a match between them and Rapungi Vice. And I, I'm all for it. I love Rapungi Vice as well. Um, the next match was... Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Hiroki Goto. And this was for the chance to face John Moxley at Forbidden Door for the interim AEW championship. And this one was basically a foregone conclusion, like before the match started. And I, I saw that Tanahashi won before I watched the show, but he, he knew he was going to win anyways. Um, so basically, I was just trying to like, rate this match on like how good it was with knowing the finish. Sometimes that's harder to do. Sometimes not knowing the finish, like you can rate a match higher because like, yeah, basically like the main event, I think I would have given it a higher rating if I wouldn't have known what happened. Um, But anyways, it was a fun match. Uh, Tanahashi won obviously. And I'm excited because that's who John Moxley wanted to face months ago. And it didn't happen because of the pandemic and we're finally going to get it. And it's for the AEW championship. I don't see Tanahashi winning that match, but, uh, this match I thought was pretty good. I gave it a 3.75. See, this match is another one that I've seen this match so many times and they've done it so much better that I only, I won't lie, I gave this match three stars because I can't give a Tanahashi match any less than three stars. Like, I don't think it's possible. I don't think he could put on less than a three star match because he's, he's that damn good, even at his age. But the thing I want to talk about from this match is Tanahashi's hair. Is it a wig at this fucking point? Like, did it fall out? Cause it's, it looks like a fucking piece of mullet that he just like staples on to his head at this point it doesn't move like normal real hair anymore go ace yeah go ace go hairstyle i just i don't i his hair freaks me out like when he was leaving the ring after the win that's all i could stare at i was like is is his hair not real anymore like what is going on i don't know i still uh really like the high fly flow I do. And I and I love Tanahashi. I love Goto. I really do. It's just I've seen this match a thousand times and I've seen him do it a whole bunch better. Well, and like I said, it was a foregone conclusion. Like yeah. Goto wasn't gonna win this match. Like for Forbidden Door, no offense to Goto, because he's he's a great wrestler. He's just not a big enough star for that match. There's only about a handful of guys in New Japan that like you want to make this a really big dream match like forbidden door there's only like a handful of guys you can put in that spot and unfortunately goto isn't one of them yeah 100 percent agree but uh, you you do you agree with me about there's no way tanahashi's winning the AEW championship i don't know because they keep like really harking on the interim and i think it really depends on how long cm punk is really going to be out because I think it'd be really cool to have Tanahashi hold it for even just like a couple a few months because it would really add like a layer of prestige to it. Like it would really make it a world title if a new Japan pro wrestler won it, even if it's the interim one. And I think it would tell a really good story. So if CM Punk could only be out for like another you know, like four, three, four months, 
and then come back to have this match at say, you know, uh, why can't I think of the end of the year show before uh, Rust Kingdom? Revolution. Yeah, there we go. So we could come back and get there for Revolution, and that could lead into Wrestle Kingdom. Like, I think it'd be a really good story. So I, I don't agree with you. I see your point, and I don't know. I just, I don't know. I mean, because they did try to set up the match between CM Punk and Tanahashi. And, I mean, it would be better in ways if Tanahashi won, because then you would have the dream match of Tanahashi versus Moxley and CM Punk versus Tanahashi, both for AEW Gold, which is cool among itself. So, I mean, I can, I guess, it's not a for sure thing. And I know how much, like, MJF's right, Tony Khan is a mark. There is a reason why uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly faced um, Moxley last week on Dynamite just for the winner of that match to go to this match was because he's a mark and he was a big fan of Kyle O'Reilly and Ring of Honor. That's there it is. So I could see his markness like putting the title on Tanahashi, but he's also a big fan of Moxley. So I don't know. It's up in the air. It'll be a fun match either way. And I'll and we're crowning a new champion. So it's guaranteed to be it's gonna be awesome. I agree. Okay, the next match, and I, I'm gonna say that maybe you rated this match a little higher than me because of the way you were talking about one of the competitors in this match earlier. Tai Chi versus Shingo Takagi and uh, the Provisional King of Pro Wrestling Championship match, which are always fun. I love this stipulation because it's not like normal wrestling, but it makes sense. And it's like, it's almost like a game where uh, the points actually, it's better than an Iron Man match. Or something like that, where you have yeah. points, the winner, whatever. But I thought this match was a lot of fun. Um, I thought it dragged for like a couple minutes, but like the last five minutes were was really fun. And when uh, Tai Chi was down like seven at one point and with like three minutes to go or like two minutes to go, it's like they're just going to like squash him. But no, they didn't. And then he came really close and they said that he lost like 10 to eight or something like that. But it was 10 to nine. It for sure was. It was really. It was close. eleven to ten. What? Well, the it final, was by the, one. But yeah, they they did say originally that it was he lost by two, but he lost by one. Yep. I counted. I saw it, and yeah. uh, it was a really fun finish. I like the last five minutes really bumped it up for me. I gave it a three point seven five, and I wrote fun finish next to my story. Uh, fun fact: This is our first match that we actually ranked exactly the same. I have a three point seven five as well. Uh, I, I love this. I think that Shingo and Taichi have this weird chemistry together where their styles don't exactly match, but they do. It's one of those like where two opposite colors also mix well together, like purple and green. Like those colors shouldn't work together, but for some reason they're iconic as the Joker and they just, you know, fit. Taichi and Shingo are kind of like that where... I don't know why, but every time you put those two in a ring together, I just get really into the match. 
And I, as I said, I'm really into Tai Chi. I think he's great. <laughs> I, I love the pants rip. I love how over it is with everyone now. Like he's been doing that for forever. And back in the day, like we all just hated it for some reason, like no one was behind it, but now it's just over like Rover. The crowd gets all into it. Kevin Kelly's all into it. Chris Charlton's all, I just, I don't know. I, I just love it. And Shingo's just Shingo. Like, you can't go wrong with the dragon. Like, Shingo is just fucking good. The, like, battling axe bomber lariat spots where they were both no-selling in the spot. Like, I, I love that stuff. I love just seeing that, like, battle. And they, like, make it feel so real. And then, yeah, that last little two-minute stretch where I really thought Tai Chi was going to get this win back and, like, steal it at the end or at least get a tie. But, yeah, they had me going. 3.75 stars. Give me more Shingo and Tai Chi. I'd be all right with that for sure. Uh, the next match, I'm just going to say right now, this was my match of the night. Uh, the next match was Carl Anderson versus Tamatanga for the Never Openweight Championship. And it was billed as the Battle of the Gunstun. Because if you know the story, if you don't know the story, Carl Anderson passed. I'm the gun son to Tamatanga before he left, uh, before he got kicked out of the bullet club. And so, yeah, it was the battle of the gun son. Like the whole psychology in this whole match was just awesome. Carl Anderson somehow is even better than he was when he left Japan like six years ago. It's, it's nuts. Like his time in the WWE, I don't know how it made him better because they did like, jack shit with them and he like, just got to rest man good, he just he well, just got, regrew, he regrew all of his bones i mean like they had some good tag team matches like there was a period where wwe had some really good tag teams you know and like but yeah but at the same time they didn't really do they could have done so much more with them and but like carl anderson is amazing tamatanga is amazing and now that he's getting like uh baby face reaction and like he's wrestling as a baby face but like he's still like you brought i think we were, we were talking about it before we recorded you brought up or maybe it was on here uh tamatanga being like the good guy bad guy kind of the good bad like, guy role. that's what his yeah, that's what his go. moniker is now yeah and it works uh, this match was a lot of fun carl anderson took the title from tamatanga and i gave this 4.25 stars I gave this match 4.5 stars, so a little above you. And I would have given it even a better rating, but the end of the match with uh, Doc Gal's interference, it looked a little clunky, and it just got yeah. real. Like I just the, the ending actually brought it down for me. Everything up to the ending, like the trading, trying to go for the gun stunt, never have I been more excited during a match just watching people try and go for cutters. Like, and the cutter is like such a weird move to like try and block. And they did it in so many different cool ways. I mean, Carl Anderson was a great defensive wrestler. And I think that Tom and Tonga is one of the greatest defensive wrestlers of all time. Like the way they both move in the ring and just the whole match. Yeah, you're right. The psychology of this was just, it was just chef's kiss. And I did think that there should have been like Tom and Tonga couldn't lose this match cleanly. I love that Carl Anderson went over. I just... Wish the ending would have been a little better. Like, I don't know. It just the ending kind of brought it down for me. That's why I got it 4.5. But I can't wait to see this, you know, feud build. And I'm not gonna lie, Carl Anderson's one of the guys that I really fucking wanted in the G1 this year. Yeah, me like, too. Like I can't believe like when he left, that's what we were all talking about. Like he had the great one of the greatest G1 runs of all time. And it really like 
just, you know, come alive. So I thought, yes, he's going to be in the G1 this year. And then he's not. Once again, we're just being greedy and everything, but da. Yeah, I that was one person I was kind of bummed that was missing on the list as well. Because, like, he legit could win it for sure. Oh, and also, before we move on from this, one of the other fit reasons I love this match so much in both these guys is because they do my favorite thing, the running commentary during the match and the amount of trash talk that Carl Anderson was talking. Like, one of my favorite spots the whole match is like, I'm going to tell you what's coming right now. Gun stun. Nothing you can do about it. He's just yelling in his face, and then he does the whole Randy Orton pound on the ring thing. Like, it was just, oh, say magnifique. Loved it. I mean, that, that is what is cool about, like, wrestling in Japan, especially now that they still aren't able to like cheer and stuff like that. Like the silence isn't bad. Like it was like in American wrestling. It's, it's weird. Like, cause you can still feel the energy from the crowd, even when they're being quiet. Like they say like, that's their way of booing is being silent or it's their way of they're in awe, like with what they're watching right now. Like you, you can feel it. And that's, what's cool about that. Um, and also you can hear everything that is being said, which we'll get to in the main event in a moment. But uh, the next match was also a pretty good match. And it was for the vacant United States championship match or championship um, because Juice Robinson had an appendicitis and flew back to America with the belt. And yeah, it was, I guess, I don't know. The story was he was cleared to wrestle this match and was contracted to wrestle this match, but no showed this match. And I'm, I'm assuming this is a work. I'm assuming like the appendicitis part was true and this is all wrestling. I don't know anything about it. I haven't really looked into it. So he was not there. It was originally supposed to be a triple threat. So it was Will Ospreay versus Sonata for the vacant U.S. championship. And I love Sonata. I've always loved Sonata and Will Ospreay, like take away like allegations and stuff like that. Put him in the wrestling ring. One of the best in the world. And I still think sometimes he doesn't get some of the credit he's due. And I think that's just also because he's not on a lot of like radar of like casual fan yet. He should be. He will be. But, uh, yeah, this match was good. I think uh, without having Juice Robinson in, it kind of, like, threw everybody off. I don't know. It Like, I was a little disappointed in this match. But that being said, I still gave it four stars. I thought it was, like, a really well-wrestled match. Everybody got their spots in. And Will Ospreay winning the U.S. title and him being all pissed that uh, – the title's not there and like he almost died three weeks ago and all that kind of stuff. It's just, there's a lot going on with that kind of stuff. And yeah. New Japan pro wrestling screwed Will Ospreay again. (laughs) I, this is one of the times where commentary, I think really improved this whole match. Like Will Ospreay and Sonata are great in the ring together and everything like that. I actually gave this match 4.25 stars. So once again, just a little bit above you, I think that extra 2.5 or 0.25 is for how great this commentary was. And they were putting over everything about uh, Will Ospreay and everything that happened to Sonata as well. Both of them have been through a lot of shit recently with medical stuff. And, you know, Sonata had a broken jaw that Will Ospreay, like it happened in the match against him. And then, you know, Will Ospreay with a kidney infection and almost dying. 
and then the actual match itself and then the whole juice robinson the title not being there kind of just hanging over it i do agree the actual like i don't know what how much of it's a work or like with that i don't understand why they would be going with he was contracted to be there for the work because i mean i guess if you want to try and say why you're doing an interim champion that's why but it just it feels like retro or uh, you know well, I mean, just trying to backtrack interim, it was vacant they stripped yeah, him vacant. the title and but see i'm 50 50 on whether it could be working or not because the like contracted part kind of makes it seem like no show but that could also be like to make you think that it's real but he's also a member of the bullet club he's a heel it's a huge well they also had the video of him saying he wasn't going to show up in like full bullet club attire which felt you know very wrestling yeah well that's you and like he's not giving back the belt because it's his belt so that that feels wrestling too so i'm i'm guessing parts of it are true the the appendicitis part i would assume is true is why would you make that part up that's a that's a weird injury to make up and but i think everything else is a work that's just me personally, but I don't know for sure. I would, fine, I would tend though. to agree. Four stars for me. I would tend to agree. Yeah, 4.25. Uh, I love the Hidden Blade and also the Stormbreaker. I mean, Will Ospreay just has so many fucking great moves. He's he's such a great pro wrestler. I mean, he's a piece of shit human, apparently, but he's a great fucking pro wrestler. And I do love the fact that they put over on commentary that no one likes him. They're always like, they're like, ah, no one likes Will Ospreay. Yeah, who likes him anyways? Yeah, he, yeah he's a dick, but he's a great wrestler. Yep. I like that as well. Then finally, we got the main event, which was for the IWGP Heavyweight World Heavyweight Championship. Sorry, got to add that world in there now because they combined it with the Intercontinental title, which I think is still dumb with that butterfly belt. It just, why did you take like one of the best belts of all time and go replace it with the Divas title? I will never know. But anyways... We had Jay White challenging Okada for the championship. And Jay White is amazing. He has been amazing for many years. But this match, I loved it. I loved him working the crowd right from the beginning, telling them to cheer. And let me hear you. Parts went. Uh, yeah, when parts when they were supposed to be cheering for Okada and was silent, he was getting them going, getting them clapping. Okada, you could hear it with their hands, which was awesome, you know. And it just like just him working the crowd and all that stuff was great. And then everything that happened in this match, this match was really good. I think knowing that Jay White won before I saw this match, like hurt my rating because I would have been surprised because I didn't think that Jay White was going to win. I knew it might have been a possibility just because of everything that's going on right now. And technically uh, hangman already challenged Okada. So like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just didn't think Jay White was going to win. So I feel like not knowing before watching this match, I probably would have had, probably would have got half star more. I only gave it a four star just because of that. I thought it was a really, really good match. I also, for some reason, in the back of my mind, was comparing it to Okada versus Kenny Omega. And I don't know if it's just because Bullet Club versus Okada. I don't know. That might have hurt it a little bit as well, but I thought it was a really good match. Jay White's the man. Okada, greatest wrestler of all time, like in ring, 
Like, it's hard to argue. He's Tom Brady. I look at Okada, and I literally see Tom Brady. And so, I don't know. This is a really good match. Four stars. I'm, that's what I gave it. I rated. This is the biggest disparity that I have with you. I gave it 4.75 because I absolutely love this match. And I, I do like you saying the comparison to the Kenny Omega match because I also was comparing it a little bit to the Kenny Omega matches in my head. But I actually really love the juxtaposition of the two because Kenny Omega's rivalry with Okada was just about the in-ring stuff. It wasn't, Kenny Omega wasn't trying to break Okada. Jay White has been trying to break Okada. And it was the story they told throughout the whole match. Okada was outside of his own game plan. He was, he was fucking around on the outside of the ring. He went for that tombstone instead of going for a simple DDT. Like, this is another match. The commentary was spot on for this whole match, telling the tale that they were telling in the ring with other words while they told it with moves. And Jay White's running commentary through this whole match. Him working the crowd, just screaming, let me hear you. And then basically doing the Hulk Hogan uh, ear every like few seconds. And then just scoffing at them constantly. And just the whole like build of the match. It didn't hurt my love of this match at all by knowing the finish. Because I just didn't know when it was going to happen. And then that last little run with the reversals of you know the Rainmaker going for Blade Runner. And then just them going back and forth on it. It was great. I loved it. And the whole match, it did just feel like Jay White was a step ahead of Okada. Like, that was the story they told. Jay White just knows Okada. And now, like, he is, his singles record against Okada speaks for itself. And it's absolutely wild that New Japan is so behind Jay White to let him keep beating Okada like this. It's a wild tale they're telling with Jay White. And you can't argue. And Brett... Our good buddy from Brainbusters, boys. You can go read his article on it over at Sports Kita, whatever. Just go to Brett's Twitter. You'll find it. About Jay White being the catalyst of pro wrestling, because boy fucking howdy is he right now, dude. You can't argue that anyone has had a better 2022 than Jay White so far. It's only six months in, and the dude's already having just a historic year in pro wrestling. The G1's about to come up. Like He's got so much more time of the year, and now he's the motherfucking IWGP world heavyweight champion and the aftermatch speech that he gave was one of the best closeout moments in new japan and yeah i don't speak japanese but like just the emotion that he was even saying like i love listening to okada talk i don't understand what he's saying but i love it like you can feel the emotion through it when naito would close out the shows love it but this jy it it felt different like just the vitriol, like, venom that he was spitting. And him, like, calling out Adam Page and basically laughing at his face, going, yeah, you want Okada? Have him. You ain't getting this. And yeah. just everything about it. And then him going, I am a true rock and roller. Like, I just watched that Guy Ritchie film, and I fucking love it. So it made me mark out even harder. And, yeah, 4.75 and six stars for the after speech. See, the best thing you can do with a wrestling show is have a moment right at the end that leaves you like an impression in your mind for the whole entire show. And that that promo at the end of the show like did that. It was, in my opinion, out of everything that happened in the entire show, it was the best part of the show because like his words like they were mesmerizing like seriously like him telling the people to get loud let me hear you he like uh, before i went on my excursion when i was a young lion this is 
the last place I wrestled and I, I cut a promo and I told you, you guys are my family. You're like, you're not acting like my family right now. He's like, let me hear you. And it's just like, like, I don't know, his words are just like really powerful. And like people started making noise. Like they were breaking protocol. Yeah, like I wish it was more. I wish everybody would have just rebelled. Like it would, like I wanted people to like make noise for him. You know, I just, yeah, it, it was amazing. It was like one of the best promos that the majority of wrestling fans are never gonna ever see. That yeah, it it was that good just because of the emotion behind it. Jay White is definitely Brett is Brett Arik. Brett's article is genius, and you can't argue with anything that he wrote. Go read it. Jay White is the catalyst of professional wrestling right now. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, just I absolutely love it. This is definitely my match of the year so far that I've seen. So, love it. What did you think, think of the show as a whole? Up. Yeah, <laughs> we're on the same page. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess... Everyone for a start, like the first half wasn't great, but it was good. Second half was definitely great. I would say four stars overall. Yeah. So for my overall notes, I wrote first half boring, kind of no stakes in the first half of the show. I know that six man belts were defended and everything, but yeah, just there was, there was nothing in the first half of the show. And I just kind of thought like it, it kind of brought me down a little bit. Then the second half, I wrote absolute banger and built perfectly. I felt like every match like just got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And so I and I actually only wrote three point seven five stars down four out of five. But as we've talked about it, I'm actually also going to give it four out of five stars because as I have thought about it and gone back on you know thinking about it, it was definitely a four star show. Yeah, the back half definitely picked up the first. And like, yeah, it definitely, it was a good show. And I, it, it, I'm excited for um, the next show. I forget what the date is, um, but yeah, I'm excited for that. The next show is uh, Ishimori versus uh, Takahashi for the light heavyweight championship, which I mean, their matches are always great. They had another banger at the best of the super juniors. Like those guys are two guys that, are made for each other. So I'm excited yeah. for that. And the G1, obviously, starting on July 16th is it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. We're going to talk about it a whole fucking bunch. Uh, any other uh, Forbidden Door thoughts or anything like that? Since this is kind of a, I mean, technically, New Japan's next show is Forbidden Door. Uh, it's, you know, only a basically a week exactly. away at this You're point. Right. Technically, you're right, and it's going to be more built on AEW, which I'm excited for. I mean, you're going to Forbidden Doors, so that's awesome. Uh, we're also going to the go-home show, Dynamite. So I'm assuming there's going to be some uh, shit going down. Dude, um, what if Okada shows like, up in Milwaukee? Oh, God, man. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited just to see what happens. I don't even – like, it's, it's crazy to think because – this week is Road Rager, which we already said was a bad name. Yep. Um, <laughs> they got a lot of crazy shit going on. Like the ladder match, I was excited for the ladder match because the Young Bucks were going to win the titles. They were going to do it. Just do it, you know, just put them on them because yep. they only care about tag teams when the Young Bucks are champions. So I was excited for that. 
they we also are getting a hair versus hair match, even though it's against two guys that I don't really care to see if they lose their hair or not. Hair versus hair matches are fun, and it's, Chris Jericho has to lose, right? Oh, he has to lose. Every, everyone listening already knows that whether what's happened, but like Chris Jericho yeah, has to it's lose. True. And that's going to be awesome. That's going to be fun. And then you get I can't wait for a bald Jericho. Like, wait, he's right. a rock star. Is he really going to shave his head? Sports entertainment, man. And the name man. is Sports Entertainment. <laughs> for the AEW Galaxy, of course he will. Um, then you also have Dax Harwood versus Will Ospreay, which, like, think about Dax Harwood's, like, previous singles matches against CM Punk and Adam Cole and uh, his tag team partner, Cash, um, Cash Wheeler, like, Dax Harwood is a star that, like, you always knew he was a good tag team wrestler. Like I said earlier, like, this guy, you could build your mid-card around him. He could maybe even be a, like, legit contender for, like, the AEW championship one day. I think he's that good of a wrestler. So I'm excited yeah. for that match, too. So Forbidden Door, I'm excited. I don't know what's going to happen from the next 10 days or so till we get to Forbidden Door. I'm just, yeah. I know I can't like the cards like not even announced barely and I am so fucking excited and it doesn't even matter what they're going to announce because it's all going to be great so fucking great I'm so excited for Forbidden Door spoiler alert there won't be a show next week so this is our Forbidden Door Forbidden Door talk because as we said we're going to AEW next week yeah but uh, I mean we will do a little recording with Tom for like one of his shows so uh, stay tuned for that. I don't know if he's announced anything, and I don't want to spoil anything. But, yeah. So we will be doing a little bit of recording next week. We will. For you people. All right. People. That is the end of Hashtag TRT. Hit a sound effect, Chad. Let's see what's next. Well, folks, you heard the explosion. So that means... He's got some issues, and we're all going to hear about them. Because it's time for Diesel's Dilemma. Well, it's about that time of year. I'm pretty sure that I definitely yell about this about this time every single year. But I want to talk about the Brewers. And I want to talk about people that call themselves fans of the Brewers. And local radio shows and all this stuff. Yes, the Brewers have lost nine out of 10 games and people are losing their minds right now. But no one remembers it was a month ago when they won like 14 of 16. So just calm down a little bit. It's only June, dude. Seriously, there is, the season's not even half over. A good team goes through ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. And you don't even have to be a good team in June because let's look at last season. This time, the Atlanta Braves, they sucked balls. No one thought they were even going to make the playoffs, let alone win their division, which they did. And guess what happened? They got hot at the end of September and went through October and won the World Series. So are we talking about right now the Brewers are like 
done. We're going to sell everybody because they've lost nine out of 10 games. Yeah, that's what everyone wants them to do. They want to just write off this season when they're a game out of first place. Like, chill the fuck out. It's not even the all-star break yet. It's June. Look back at 2018 when we were down five and a half games to the Cubs on September 1st and tell me how that worked out for us. So, yeah. Just chill the fuck out. It's baseball. It happens every single year. It's not the end of the world either. It's just a game. So stop bitching about it. Just enjoy it. Yeah, I I, I will say baseball fans are some of the worst. Like there's 162 motherfucking games in a season. Statistically, you're going to lose like 60 of them. So just fucking chill out. It's June. This isn't football where you only have six or 17 games, okay? Like, 17 games means nothing in the MLB. Like, literally, statistically, means nothing. So, it, they're a game out of first place. That's the only number you need to know. Chill the fuck out. I agree with Diesel. I mean, they're injured right now. Just, like, calm down. Everyone's like, fire Craig Council. It's like, why? Like, Craig Council has made four playoff appearances in a row. Like, seriously, who are we going to get if we don't have Craig Council? And then, like, do you want to go back to, like, Ken Maka? Like, something like that? Like, seriously, we were the laughing stock for, like, 30 years. And now we're having some success. And nobody can be happy about it. Yeah, we haven't won a World Series, but, like, we're winning games. We're going to the playoffs. Like, there were so many years where we didn't have that. And this team sucked. And nobody can be happy that we're actually doing well. We're one of the better teams in the last decade. And everyone's just like, fire Craig Council because he's not doing a good job with pulling the pitchers at the right time. Well, you're an idiot, dude. Shut the fuck up. Uh, shout out to the brand new Visionaries Global Media Podcast. Good Cop, Bad Cop Baseball Podcast. You want to hear more baseball talk? Yeah, MGB Graham. And I'm pretty sure High Five Tom is his first guest. I think they're going to be doing it like once a month or once or once every couple of weeks, something like that. Listen to the first episode. It just dropped today at time of recording. So hopefully you've listened to it and enjoyed it. Go follow him on Twitter. Yeah, folks, I remember Listen to plug to something. Don't be up my ass about it. I'll be listening to it and I will be happy to be a guest because I love baseball. Yeah, and I'm just kidding. Please ask me and tell me to plug things because I will forget otherwise. And that's not, never mind. I'm not phrasing on myself, but I'm not going to, we're not going to worry about it. Because those were some issues, and you've now heard about them. And that ends Diesel's Dilemmas. As always and truly, that means it's time to get the show wrapped up. It's time for Final Thoughts. Diesel, what you got for us this week? My final thoughts are there's uh, something that you and I both will be experiencing for the first time on Sunday. That is our first Father's Day, which is kind of weird because I was talking to my brother about it last night. He's like, it's kind of like you get a second birthday now. And I'm like, it kind of is. Yeah, a little bit. I get to like, I get to have like whatever I want for dinner. It's like I get like cards and... (laughs) Yeah, no, it's weird. And it's great that uh, our first Father's Day, even though our children are six months apart, happens to fall in the same year. Yeah, no, it, it is pretty cool. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're not doing much. I 
I haven't had Pizza Hut in a really long time because there is no Pizza Hut in my town. And the closest one is like 20 minutes in either direction. But uh, I am definitely getting a stuffed crust pizza from Pizza Hut because that's what I want. No, I don't care if I, it's cold. I'm bringing it home. I don't care if it's a little cold. Like, I just want it. So run the oven for a second. My, It'll be fine. Yeah, that was my only like ask for Father's Day. And basically, just to like do nothing because the next several weekends, like, there's shit going on. So, yeah. So, I kind of just want to chill out this weekend, hopefully. So, also, it's my sister's birthday on Saturday. So, we're going out to dinner at uh, a supper club and i'm gonna get some steak which maybe not because i had steak on saturday night and steak on sunday night and i'm having steak tomorrow night so maybe i won't have steak on saturday he lies he lies to you people true true but uh yeah other than that i know nothing it's it's june it's june just enjoy some baseball the brewers will turn around i have faith yeah um yeah my final thoughts are currently my wonderful wife is away on a business conference so i've been single dad chad for the past few days and am at time of recording still for another day and like a half a little more than that i don't know day and a half about that so been going well just me and the cooperino chilling here at home brother stopped over for a day or two helped out but besides that you know just uh living the life just doing this parenting thing so it's a lot of fun You know, I didn't really uh, know how, you know, it would go, but it's gone great. And that's all I can ask for. Uh, For Father's Day, I don't think we're going to do much because, as I said, Allison's been out of town. So it'll be nice just to see her since once she gets back, I got to work the next two days. So I won't really get to see her. So Sunday will be our first full day back together after her business trip. And yeah, so just going to hang out, enjoy the first Father's Day. And it's kind of chill. So Diesel, why don't you do some social media stuff? Oh, wait, once again, because I said it once, but I'll say it again real quick. No show next week because we are going to be at AEW Dynamite in Milwaukee, and we're leaving early to do some recording with High Five Tom. So, yeah, we will not be doing a show of VFTR 2.0 next week. But the week after, we're going to have some stuff to talk about because I'm going to Forbidden Door. Uh, Tom and I might also be checking out a warrior wrestling show and then diesel Tom and I are all going to dynamite next week. So we're going to have a lot to talk about in two weeks. I mean, I'll be, I'll be watching uh forbidden door as well. So I'll be able to chime in. I'll probably be able to chime in some things that you won't be because we'll have different vantage points. Yeah. You'll get the I'll actual get camera see. points. Yeah. So, and I mean, I'm not saying that you wouldn't have rewatched it by them, but you might not have. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Two more. So just, just got to wait two weeks, guys. Sorry. So I know you guys are probably upset with us and just don't, don't forget about us because like, we're really excited for the things we're doing next week and sorry, sorry. That's all I can say. Don't you forget about us. And while you're not forgetting about us, Diesel, why don't you tell us some social media stuff where they can find us? You can follow me on Twitter at Diesel underscore VFTR. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad's underscore mind or at VFTR2PO. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram by searching View from the Top Rope Official. You can search us on YouTube, which is View from the Top Rope. You can send your emails to Visionaries. No, that's a different one. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. 
what is it? What show are we on? View from the you from top rope at gmail.com. There we go. Uh, brain is fried. Brain is fried. You can follow Visionaries Global Media on Twitter at Viz Global Media. You can send your emails and podcasts to be reviewed and uploaded to the network. Send it to visionariesglobalmedia at gmail.com where you'll be heard on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Podknife, Potable. And I'm glad that it's over with because that was torture this week. And just so, so many others. As always, we thank you all so very much for listening to this insanity that we call a podcast. Hopefully we've gotten you through that boring work day, that workout that we're so proud of you for finishing, or whatever else you were doing while you are listening to this podcast. As always, I have been Chad, plus Zeus in the background, and my daughter Cooper, and and the other sounds that you hear that I don't remember to cut out. He has been Diesel over in his dungeon of dapperness. We thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed it. Remember, be kind to each other out there. We're all just humans trying to survive on this little blue spinning orb that we call Earth, so there's no reason to be a dick. And always remember to climb up high and enjoy. BFTR 2.0.